You are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio. Today we are going to talk about something that started back in 1962, and then we'll start to unlock the secrets to having the largest bike store in the Southwest. My name is Chad Picard, and I own a few bike stores up in South Dakota under the name of Spoken Sport, and I'm also on the NBDA board. And today we have with me the very mirthful Woody of Richardson Bike Mart. Good afternoon, Woody. How are you? Good afternoon. Doing great. And, and I did have to look up what mirthful meant, but it means it means merry. And uh, I, I've, since we've uh, met several times over the years, you've always had a had a smile on your face and very happy to be wherever you're at. So I think the mirthful fits you well. I've been called a lot worse, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so t- today we're talking about uh, Richardson Bike Mart. And if, if we could, I'd, I'd like to talk about the history, just a brief history of Richardson Bike Mart. And it started in 62. And there's actually, actually looked up, there's some cool things that happened in 62. Uh, the computer mouse was invented. The cassette tape was invented, and LEDs were invented back in '62, and it was also the first time that Ed McMahon said, "Here's Johnny," and uh, Janis Joplin was voted the ugliest man on campus at uh, the University of Texas in Austin. So, oh. yeah, surprising, right? <laughs> oh my! Yeah. So, give me a brief history of Richardson Bike Mart. Well, in 1962, um, a guy named Mike Hall started a bike mart, and so he called it Mike Hall Bike Mart. Uh, Mike Hall's Bike Mart, excuse me, it's plural. He had four locations here in the Dallas area, and um, in the um, in the 60s, and then he had the one in Richardson uh, that he owned. And back then, your your Swin rep was um, you'd always work with your Swin rep, and uh, he was a Swin dealer. And you work with the swim rep saying, hey, I, I don't want that Richardson location anymore. I, need, I want to get rid of that. So he told the swim rep, uh, which was uh, Jim Hoyt. And Jim Hoyt uh, said, uh, OK, I'll try to find you a buyer for it. And so he left there and he started thinking about it going, you know what? I've been on the road for 10 years. Um, and this was in 1970, uh, excuse me, uh, 1980. So he went out and um, went home, told his wife, he said, hey, you know what? We want to start a family. Um, be traveling all the time. This is getting real hard. So why don't we try to buy this, the, the Richardson location and uh, bike shop. And so he went back and said, Hey, we'd like to buy it. And uh, it was just 1200 square feet uh, at the time. And, and uh, he owned, uh, Mike Hall owned the other three bike marks, the build the property in the buildings. So he wanted to build a, uh, he wanted, he couldn't buy this one because it was in a strip center. And so, um, so Jim Hoyt, but uh, Mike Hall's bike mark, November, 1980, uh, from my call, changed it to Richardson Bike Mart because it was the Richardson location. He kind of organically named it that way because he would pick up the phone, Bike Mart, and it was the Richardson location. And so he really didn't go out and say, I'm going to name it this. In fact, it took a whole year <laughs> before he actually changed the sign. On the, on, you hear these signs from different uh, different people and, and success and over the years, and he's one of them. And he just left it up on the on the, on the the wall. It just said Bike Mart. And uh, the Bike Mart name had a good name for it. And uh, and so uh, 1980, Jim Hoyt bought that, changed to Richardson Bike Mart. And then I come along in 89. Um, I had a, worked at a previous bike shop in East Richardson um, called uh, The Peddler and The Bike Shop. Um, and, uh, and then I was there six years. I came here in 89. And 
you want to continue the history? Yeah, yeah. So when, okay. when the, the current Richardson Bike Mart building that you guys are in, when did you move into that building? Okay, so uh, from 1962 to 1997, it was down two miles south of here on Coit and Beltline. Uh, so it was uh, it was um, in a strip center. And then um, in uh, summer of 97, we Jim went north here to the Campbell store to the where it's at now. So it was 14,000 feet down there um, at, at that time. And then he went down here and built this 25,000 square foot building. And so that, and we opened up a business for, for business in January 2nd, 19, uh, nine, 1998. And, and that building is now how big? Uh, 33,600 and something feet. I don't know exactly. but That, is, that is impressive. Yes, sir. Is, is that, uh, that was a, it was a, was it a grocery store? No, he built it from scratch. A lot of people come in here and they go, Oh, this is an old furniture store. An old, but he built it from dirt. So the shopping okay. center ended where the building is that you've been in here before. And so uh, he just added on, uh, he went down and said, Hey, I'll sign a 20 year lease with you. I want to, I want to build a 25,000 square foot store. It's a big gamble at the time. And, yeah. uh, and so it, um, a lot of people had bets that he wouldn't make it like two years and three years. And, and it, I had even some doubts. I was like, Oh boy, this is a big place. And, uh, but it, it, it um, with the Lance factor, uh, sort of win the Tour de France in 99 and then 2000 and the business road market went crazy. And here we are. And it, uh, it would just uh, organically, uh, we we're blessed with uh, the good business to, to justify the big footprint. Yeah. And it, it is impressive. If, if you're ever in the area, be sure you swing by. Um, I, I have been to the, the previous store uh, when I was, I lived in Denton for a while, just just north of Dallas, and and Richardson Bike Mart was the place in the region to go buy stuff. Uh, so many options of for product and things, and so we would regularly drive down 35 and and uh, hit hit up Richardson Bike Mart. That's awesome. Um, so, um, and you guys have been uh, in that location since, and in uh, did you open up other stores at specific times? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in in eighty seven, uh, the, the we have a store in Dallas, and um, it was uh, called Bicycles Unlimited, and he owned it since nineteen seventy one. He built that store from scratch as a freestanding building. And in fact, he's still the landlord today of that building. But he wanted to sell the business; he wanted to get out. And so Jim Hoyt bought that that business from him, changed the name from Bicycles Unlimited to Richardson Bike Mart, and. Um, and then that happened in '87, and then in 19, and in 2003, uh, Jim built a freestanding building, bought the dirt, bought the property, took took uh, took the Bicycles Unlimited guys' idea and said, "We're going to be a landlord now." So <laughs> he bought the dirt and the property and built uh, a 15,000 square foot store in Frisco, which is a suburb north of Richardson, about uh, 12 miles. And then uh, and then recently in 2018, um, so Jim Hoyt's been involved in all this since then. So um, I. So in 2012, uh, I, I I bought out Jim, and uh, in January 2012, I took over as owner, uh, majority owner. He still has a, uh, a controlling share of it, and he's still involved. Helps me, mentors me, and uh, the uh, and in 2018, uh, we opened a store in McKinney, which is another suburb uh, north of Dallas, and uh, that was all by myself. And uh, so that was it. Kind of took note from what the, how they did it. And I couldn't afford to buy the dirt in the building and build it from scratch because that's the only way I could get it. So I ended up uh, partnering with my uh, CPA. And so uh, 
So we both own a portion of it between my wife and I and him. And, uh, and so that was born in May of uh, 2018. And it's, it's, a it's a little over 10,000 feet, 10,400. And, and that's in an area that's, as I understand, is growing pretty fast, right? It is. It, uh, it's growing about uh, 10% a year, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, two or 3% a year. And it's grown 10% over the last four or five years. So it's been, it's just all of a sudden just hitting this big growth um, just in the last few years. So it's nearly 200,000 people live just in McKinney now. And uh, so strategically, all the stores, you look at a map in Dallas, uh, we got kind of just north of downtown Dallas, that Dallas store. And then Richardson store, the big store is in uh, kind of far north Dallas, if you may. And then Frisco is about another 12 miles north of there. And McKinney's about another 11 miles north of there. So, so they're all about 10, 12 miles apart strategically and uh, okay. kind of worked out pretty good. Good. So you, you've been around for a while. Um, yes, sir. You, you've probably seen uh, disc brakes come and go and then come back again. And, and you've seen wow. uh, carbon, carbon bikes come and go. And, and you've seen even suspension has, has become available since you started working in a bike store. Um, so you've seen a lot of changes in the industry. What, what are some of the changes you've seen at Richardson Bike Mart that have, you've had to really take a step back and say, hey, whoa, this is something different. We really need to change the way we're doing business to survive. What, what are, have you experienced any of those changes? And, and what did you do to, um, to navigate those? Oh, wow. Uh, great question. Yeah, we've had, uh, yeah, I think you have the ebb and flows, just like the stock market. You know, you have to change with the times and uh, you have different competitors come and go. Um, I, I guess the most recent uh, challenge we've had, we had, uh, and it was sadly, because some of these are friendly competitors, but we had uh, 11 uh, LBSs, local bike shops, go out of business. And um, between uh, fall of 2018 and uh, spring of 2019, so seven month period, we lost 11 bike shops in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but but then you say, oh, it's 20%. Whoa, 20% of the bike shops went out of business. So well, that's... That, uh, you know, happens there. Um, the inventory gets liquidated. Everybody and their brother has got to sell on for 20 to 50 percent off. And uh, and so who doesn't want a good deal? I do. And so people go to those stores and buy their Continental tires at uh, four and five and six deep or whatever. And their bikes. And uh, and uh, so anyway, so we had a uh, uh, struggle last year a little bit with that. And uh, but now we're we're actually going to have a. And so the last shop went out of business in April, let's see here, May, because it was May of 2019 this year. It's the last shop that went out of business, liquidated inventory. So I think we've had a clean slate since then. So in, it, almost almost to the day when that's happened, it uh, after they closed the doors for the last, uh, it, it also in the business just, just took off. People are running out of choices. For, sure. um, so we were blessed with uh, people just saying, you know what, we're going to come fight Mark. They've been around a long time, hopefully, and We've, we've served people well. We serve the community. Um, we, we give back to the community uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And we just we're always been connected in that. And uh, so those are the challenges. But uh, it, it, and how you handle them is, uh, you know, look at your payrolls, your biggest expense. And you say, OK, where can I trim? Where can I save? Um, I didn't lay anybody off. I'm, I'm thankful for that. We have 116 employees and uh, between all four stores and. Um, and I just I didn't have the heart to have to leave somebody off. And uh, things didn't get that tight, but they got pretty tight um, where I'm not used to. And that took me out of a comfort zone. And uh, but uh, we survived it. 
And and we've had those ebb and flows. Uh, you know, 9-11 was a big hit um, when 9-11 happened. Boy, nobody was buying bicycles for about six months or eight months. It was just like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Um, and then 2008, when President Bush was coming out of office and President Obama was going in, I remember uh, $4 gas, $4 gallon gas war uh, you know, in the South, that's a lot of money, and in California, it's no big deal. But but that that was high for around here, and I think it was even high as six and seven dollars in California at the time. But uh, and so, but but you have to adjust your expenses, and uh, that's the bottom line. And uh, watch where you do your marketing. Yeah. So with with 116 employees, uh, what what are some what are some tips that you know when working with those staff over the last? Um, I mean. Uh, Bike Mart's been around 57 years, I believe. Um, yes. What are what are some things you've done with staff that have helped grow your business and and kept the ball moving forward? Because I, I, 116 employees is a lot. I I have three girls, and getting them to move in the same <laughs> direction when we're at the mall is uh, well, it's impossible. I think we all know that. <laughs> yeah, I got three girls too, and and a, and a son. Uh, my my, uh, it's my youngest, so I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's like herding cats, right? Um, so communication, um, it, it, every store has a GM. I had to put them in leadership roles and say, uh, so we have weekly calls we do with the GMs. I, I, I am an operation uh, manager. Um, we, we, we talk to the GMs every, um, every Tuesday on a conference call. And then him and I visit the stores uh, weekly and uh, to see them and, and have sit downs and, and one-on-ones with them. But uh, it's important. Communication is the big. That's the under communication. Underline that <laughs> when you have uh, more than a couple of stores, that's the best advice I could tell somebody is communication. Um, have have procedures uh, in place, written down, follow them um, and in training, um, you know, that, that all comes in. And around that years ago, you could fudge a lot of stuff with the Internet and things. You could you could talk to customers if you didn't know. Uh, some things you could kind of fudge your way through those things and maybe get through. And but now the customers know it's kind of the opposite. They actually know more than us, and uh, so they're pretty much telling us, "I want this bike," or you know, whatever. And and in a lot of cases, because I think it's 81% of the people search the internet before they walk in your door and uh, uh, look at your website. So that that's that's a that's a big number. So people are well prepared. But uh, training, uh, and so we we went on to Dan. I'm a huge Dan Man fan, and he has uh, gear training, and uh, the acronyms G E A R represent uh, different letters for different uh, uh, parts of, of sales training, and and it works. It's a recipe. It works, and if you train your people um, uh, that gear training, and, and they get that seven hours of training before they start, just on gear, if it's a salesperson. And then they get about uh, four or five hours of what we call RBM University. So our, our uh, RBM is just Richardson Bike Mart. That's our acronyms there. So we, we use, uh, so RBM University is, is just an in-store. Hey, we're going to teach you about the business, about our core values, uh, expectations, go over the employee manual. You know, you should be shaven and uh, shirt tucked in, and you, you know, groomed well, uh, no holes in your shoes and shirts and stuff like that. It's, and so uh, name tag on. So those are things we kind of go over uh, during that. But so training is is the biggest, biggest part of, the, of uh, herding those okay. cattle. You, you mentioned communication as being 
one of the most important things uh, among your staff. What what tools do you use to communicate? Is it are you just shooting employees texts? Hey, take out the trash. Are you having one on one? Is it emails? Is it just here's the manual, read it. This is our communication and and do your best. So what's that communication like between the leadership and staff? Okay, that's great. Um, the well, we have a company newsletter. It goes out every other week. So when we get paid, which is every other Friday, we have a, a newsletter that goes with it. It uh, welcomes new staff. It's coming on board, um, or if somebody's leaving us and moving on to something else. We'll we'll uh, we'll give them a, a goodbye, a little acknowledge there. And then we also list uh, we have a, any new product coming in. Um, uh, things are on sales. Big events are coming up. Uh, all these things like this. So, so uh, in the next two to four weeks, so employees know how to prepare. And then, um, so that's at that level of a ground stroke. So some people are do better with uh, more more one on one time. So we have our GMs will meet with this with the they have what we call we have a store manager and a GM and the and the GMs and store managers will meet with with staff. Um, we have two meetings. Um, uh, a Monday and a Friday. And the reason we do two, it's the same meeting both days, but you can't get everybody. When you have a seven day a week business, you have to, we, we end up just doing two meetings. I don't want to ask anybody to come in on their day off. So I always feel bad about that. So we do a Monday and a Wednesday. It's the same meeting both days. Uh, the difference is it's just a different day and uh, different people will be there. Um, and uh, so we go over anything that we need to go over procedures. Maybe we do a little uh, role playing for gear training. Um, uh, maybe there's a new tire that's out or a, a new bike that just come in, a new 2020 gizmo. And we talk about that a little bit. Um, but we always have a list prepared and uh, we don't shoot from the hip on that. So we have we bring things prepared. And then uh, those are for the sales side. The server side, they do uh, uh, meetings every other week. Um, same type of thing. Uh, but they do on the server side. Hey, work orders are getting. Hey, we're hitting our goal. You know, we're trying to hit one on one. You know, so if you do one hundred dollars the labor, we want to do one hundred dollars with the add ons when you do a repair. That's the goal. Uh, or it's actually a buck twenty-five in some of the stores. It just depends what store that okay. we're talking about. But we'll go over the goals, see how we're doing. Um, so those are communicated uh, lots of different ways uh, through emails. Sometimes directly, if we can't, if the part-time person is not here a whole lot, we'll email them directly. Hey, good job on last month. You did a great month. Uh, can you work on these two or three things for me, please? You know, things like that. So your your training roughly. You know, a, a full-time employee, roughly how much training are they getting a week with those? And I'm assuming there's maybe some other training going on as well. Yeah. Uh, well, when that's been a seasoned, uh, they're probably getting oh, maybe an hour. I'd say two hours a month is, is, okay. is true training, I'd say, is what they're getting effectively. Now, that's besides the Trek University and the Specialized University and the uh, – um, the expertise one, um, you know, and whatever else they want to do in their own sure. time. There's other ones, but uh, that's that's above and beyond. What we do with that is we give uh, uh, we give what we call bike bucks for that. So you do that at home. And when you do it, it emails the, the GM and then they get notification and they give them um, um, roughly about 12, 15 bucks an hour equivalent in, in store credit. That's what they get. So um, it's kind of a nice way to do it without paying them throughout the yeah. payroll. Okay. And then do you do any sort of uh, yearly, I, I don't know, maybe like staff retreats for leadership or anything like that to yep. work on, you know, like bigger store, bigger picture things like store uh, mission statements, core values and things like that? 
Yes, it's funny you said that. John Burke, uh, uh, President Trek, is uh, asked me to do that a couple of years ago during a CI event, and he does that with his leadership team. And I was like, uh, so just last week we had um, our managers of uh, store managers, and at the service manager and assistant service manager level, we meet and we talk about kind of recap of what 2020, uh, 2019's done, and what 2020 is going to, um, what goals we can do to improve. We're always trying to. Constant improvement. I'm always a continuous improvement person. I've always wanted to do that personally, as a as a as a father, as a husband, as a as a boss. I like to continuous improve. I always want to. Um, I can always get better. And um, so we we I have a I have a wide open policy about that. It, the store is run by a team. I just happen to own it. And uh, but it's run by with a team atmosphere. Um, and we all need to be on the same page. And we all need to pull the rope the same way. Um, and so. So we have a little retreat. So we had uh, we rented a house outside Dallas up there in Pilot Point, right where you went to school nearly up there yep. in Denton. Yep. And then um, and we rented a little house and it had a pool in it and it was 400 bucks as a VRBO deal. And then um, we, we rode from there. We rode uh, gravel. We rode road and some of the guys rode mountain bikes. There's a mountain bike trail not too far. So we had about three hours of playtime and about four hours of meeting time talking about, again, what was uh, the good, the bad, the ugly? We do what, what they call SWOT analysis, SWOT. So it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so we we let everybody go around the room and uh, and talk about uh, and let them participate. You know where are they at with that, and uh, and uh, and bring up the strengths, the weaknesses, and so forth, and uh, opportunities. Doing doing that event, have you ever been blindsided by anything that you know someone just said, "Hey, here's a threat that completely caught you off guard," or maybe a an opportunity that just you felt like you were totally blind to something, and it ended up turning to be a um, a very important uh, point in time to change the way business is done or to take advantage of something. Yes, and and boy, that's a great question. I'd have to go in my memory bank and think okay. about something that's oh yeah, that's an obvious one. Um, well, the, and the one Chad, you and I talked about, it, we have uh, the one that comes up recently in mind is is Shields, uh, Shields okay. Sporting Goods that's coming to town, and, and they're a big boy, and they're building their their biggest store they've ever built here in in, in Dallas. And in fact, it's about five miles away from our Frisco location, or uh, about 12, 13, 14 miles from the big store, Richardson store here I'm at, and uh, so. Yeah, you get a little nervous about that, and and I would talk to you about that, and I talked to Brent from Bike Tech, and uh, and get his two senses. I know he had a stores there, and I talked to some buddies that have some in uh, outside Boulder, and they all said the same thing. And so anyway, well, we, yeah, so that things like that do come up, and yeah, yeah we, we need to hear about those things and know what's going on, and yeah, we've had to make some changes, but that's the most recent one I could say. Um, uh, that and, and and by the way, I didn't finish, but so 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 the store that that's at the um, manager level of those meetings were, and now we're doing we're going to Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the mountain bike at mecca. Uh, we started that last year, and we absolutely had a blast. And we again spend two or three hours plan, about three hours plan, and then um, about four hours, five hours of business, and then uh, we break bread, have a beer, and maybe talk another hour or two about that, just in a relaxed atmosphere. And again, we look at recap of what 2019 was like. We'll, we'll look at 2020 and we'll take some of the manager feedback and see if the GM, see if those things line up. Uh, we won't share that feedback with them until we want to hear what the, what the GM say, because GMs have a different perspective than uh, uh, than the store managers do and the service managers is that they they're, they, they have different challenges and different successes that, and different worries every day. Um, yeah. So. 
so that so that, that's how we're doing it now and it's only been like this is only the second year now so but it's i tell you what it's the best thing i did and and again communication is is been a great thing and it and the team building has been huge getting the team together i've i've seen a, a closer um, um, bond with everybody it's just been it's just been great to see i love to see it awesome that's awesome that that you're able to do that with your staff oh yeah do you so you've you've worked at Richardson Bike Mart since '89, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. So, um, what what do you do to to take the blinders off? Or, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but I mean, you're always in the same store or or set of stores. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel that you just you're too focused and and you need to start looking for other places? Uh, you don't want to, or maybe you that you get maybe complacent because you're always in the same place. What 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 do you look at to to you know, make sure you're moving the ball forward and you're, you're changing as, as retail changes. Do, do you ever struggle with that? Yeah, I get concerned. Um, you know, I love to go to REI. I, you know, I admire what they, they're a big into our company. They're obviously smart of what they do uh, and, and they merchandise well. Um, they, they serve customers well. They serve the community well. They, they, they admire them. Um, I, I do a CI event with John Burke from Trek. And uh, I'm honored to be able to have that. I, I told him that's a $20,000 value. And he just laughs uh, because that's part of being a, 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 a platinum plus dealer with him. And uh, you get that free time with him. And it's it's four hours of just in, in, in he shares other recipes, if you may, what other store successes are. Won't won't name the store, but that's the agreement that everybody has when they go into those meetings. And he'll look at and grade you and go, hey, you know what? Your, your, your gross margin is 43.7. Wow. What are you doing to make it that high? So I can share that recipe with other people. Or or like your marketing budget's only 1.5%. 2% kind of going rate for most jobs. What are you what are you doing or not doing? Maybe you're maybe you're leaving money on the table, a little meat on the bone there. You're not you're not using all that money up to get the most out of that business. And so those conversations are are, are just priceless. And and so you come back and you have uh, a page of, of, of uh, to-do items, and uh, uh, we, we go back and we in place and we start we start an item, um, and so though and so so going to the CI events, uh, I've been enjoying these these podcasts through MBDA, um, uh, Dan Mans have been great, um, and the um, uh, Hardy Davidson store since a parallel. I've got a buddy that's in the motorcycle business. And uh, so I go to his store. I visit him at once, twice a year, and see how they merchandise. They have similar challenges, similar um, environment that we have. Um, and uh, so I, I, I try to, I try to, you know, look at those type of resources. But mostly, I just try to take care of my, myself. I try to stay, I try to stay in my zone and do, and do what we do well, and just and keep serving the customer is the number one thing you can do. And, and that, that's. That I'm, I'm all about the sales floor, and I would I love being on the floor. I love selling. I love working the service counter, helping customers. I love seeing somebody come back and go, you sold me a bike three years ago. I've lost 40 pounds. You made the difference in my life. Those those things just keep you going. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the motorcycle industry. Are there, are there other resources outside of the bike industry that you look to for uh, – I mean, you mentioned merchandising, maybe uh, – other industries that have certain processes in place, or maybe they're viewing service writing different, like the car industry or, or anything like that? You know, I t- that's funny you said that too, because my the, the Huff finds 
Huffines Chevrolet is down the street from us, and we we buy most of our company cars there, and employees buy a lot of cars there. They give us good deals, um, and they sponsor our, our race team, and so they put money in that club, and we're very grateful for that relationship. And they have a, a P2 equivalent, uh, if you may, uh, a group. So when they get together of non-competing dealers, and they talk about uh, their challenges and, hey, what's your payroll like, and what how do you deal with this, and commissions and websites and all that stuff like that, uh, they talk about this. Anything is on the table you can talk about, and uh, um, and the P2 has helped helped me get through. I did the P2 group for about three years, and uh, I got to where I, I had to get out of it for a little bit because I was getting on the the, the Shimano uh, 20 Collective group, and I couldn't do both. It burned my candle both ends, and I just my wife would have my hide. <laughs> yeah. And, and for those of you that don't know, our, our P2 groups is a, a program through the NBDA where we match up uh, probably about uh, 15 to 16 retailers that are non-competing. And we meet uh, twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall. And, and we talk about the topics that we're struggling with and, and, and look to uh, improve our businesses through key profit indicators. Uh, we, if you go back a couple episodes, um, I believe there's uh, a podcast uh, about it. So if it's not a podcast, it's certainly one of our webinars that you can find posted in the forum. But the, the P2s have been a, a really good tool for those that uh, maybe feel like they're in an ocean and, and are trying to figure out some of the nuts and bolts of the industry. And, you know, kind of where should I be and what should I be spending on payroll and marketing and uh, rent uh, leases and things like that. Um, so, yeah, th thanks for bringing up the P2 group. I'll, I'll put a plug in for that. If anybody's interested, they can get a hold of the NBDA and definitely happy to talk about it. Um, but let's get back to Richardson Bike Mart. Um, you've with a with a store the size of, of Richardson Bike Mart, not just the, the one location being. 33,000 square feet, but with with four rather large stores or three other rather large stores, you work with you work with a lot of bike brands. And what what's that what's that like working with 17 bike brands? <laughs> Some people call you crazy. It's like are you what are you nuts? Yeah. Um, so we're we're very we're very grateful uh, for two of the big the two biggies in here, and uh, we have Trek and Specialized, and um, and that's a rare thing, um, and we are very grateful. We make them to make uh, both vendors happy is a tough dance. We we do our best. We like to be a. Um, I'd like to tell people there's no name on the building but Richardson Bike Mart. You in every bike shop should do the same thing. You'd be selling your brand. Don't sell whatever brand. We're grateful for Trek. We're grateful. For specialized, we're grateful for the other 15 below it. But Trek Specialized make up uh, most of our business. Uh, but there, we do a lot of uh, other things. We do four brands of BMX bikes. We do three brands of recumbents. We do a lot of recumbent trikes. Uh, in, in, uh, that's a pretty big business here in Dallas. Uh, we do um, uh, two folding brands of bikes, uh, uh, three e-bike brands, uh, and five road bike brands. Um, we, we, we do, we're almost 50-50. It varies year to year. It could be 45-55, but it's mountain bike road. Sometimes it flips, depends on what the weather is, if it's if it's wet year or, or dry year. Um, so uh, we, we like to get people from from their first bike all the way up to their to their racing bike or racing mountain bike and, and all in between. And so um, it, working at it is, is a hard balance. Um, but, but usually we've been... We respect them. They respect us, and and, and we they challenge us for different things. And we try to grow this category or grow that category. We try to do the best we can, and we try to negotiate. 
those those terms every year when we sit down with them, uh, what their goals are, what their needs are, be respectful to that. And um, and uh, but mostly it's it's the trek and specialized. It's um, you know that um, that's the uh, uh, get, keeping those in compliance and, and where they need to be. Sure. Um, and, and I suppose that at some point you just you got to have bikes on the floor. And if one brands out, you just got to move down the list and, and get them from the next uh, the next brand, I suppose. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it, there's strength and weaknesses. You know, um, um, Trek has a nice three hundred ninety nine dollar uh, mountain bike and specialized starts at five fifty. It, it's just that's too much for some people. And we're sensitive sure. to that. We want to be we have a lot of students at, uh, at, the, at the couple of different locations that have um, that want uh, basic bikes, basic transportations. And uh, so with, with that said, we're thankful to have those opportunities. Gonna gonna grow that in the future or is 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 uh, seventeen the limit? <laughs> no, no. We we I, I had twenty two at here one time, and it was just too much. I know it sounds like a lot. But, uh, keep yeah. in mind that most of the stores only have about five or six brands. I mean, it, it, yeah. Trek, Specialized, uh, Santa Cruz. Uh, those are the top three brands we sell in here, as far as dollars out of here. You know, they're. And you, you, you mentioned BMX. Is what's the BMX climate like in Texas? Is well, it is it growing or or is it what's it like? Well, being a BMXer for eleven years, I did that was my love. Oh, that's and right. That's my, right. My, my savior uh, for in a lot of ways kept me out of out of trouble and uh, on the straight and narrow as best I could. And uh, it was a uh, I'm very very uh, very grateful to have BMX in my life. And so. I look at BMX as, um, so to answer your question, BMX is on the up. First time in a while that the vendors, uh, Kink uh, and uh, Fit, Sunday, were running out of bicycles. And in 2019, we're running out of bicycles, and 2020s had to come sooner than later. Uh, that's a good problem to have because, uh, because in the past, we've, yeah. we've had about, that, we had three or four years there of, of dry, and that kids were buying that red, shiny iPhone and not the red, shiny bicycle. And, uh, and they, they didn't that 12 to 16 year old just wasn't riding much. But now we have this generation going up. So what that tells me is people like me eventually age out and they get into a mountain bike or they get into a road bike. Once they do that BMX for a couple of years, that is a favorite pastime of their life. I'm living proof of it. And I've got plenty of friends that come in the store that I've raced against um, and uh, they still bike. They're still involved. It set the ground roots of a, the love for the bike. So the bicycle, when I look at bicycle retailer and I read all those things, I see all these things. And one thing that never gets measured is BMX. I don't see too much on it. It's always juvenile or whatever. But when I see that needle moving, that tells me that, that we're two to three years away from big things. Kids getting, kids becoming young adults, young adults becoming bike riders, becoming uh, our, our customers for life. And also employees and mechanics as well. Oh, you bet. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the BMX thing. Is, is exciting and it's it's good to hear that it's uh that the needle's moving on that yeah uh, and, it's, and it's working good on the race side here in dallas and it's working good on the uh on the on the freestyle side so it's working pretty okay. good on both okay. we have a national caliber track here in dallas so it's pretty nice awesome cool very cool and, and i had forgotten that you raced bmx I, I raced a little bit of bmx not until i was in my 20s but i raced a bunch of, uh against a bunch of 14 year olds so that was kind of weird <laughs> um I, I did get most improved uh, racer one year, and that was. I, don't, I think they were scared. Yeah, I think they were scared of me or something. 
<laughs> so uh, moving on, what what's something about our industry that's always, you know, that that you're curious about or that keeps you uh, maybe keeps you moving forward or you just you just want to keep learning more about it and, and improving? I mean, you said you've you've done uh, continuous improvement events with John Burke. You've done mm-hmm. events with your staff. But is there like that one North Star that always moves you forward? Uh, well, it, it, serving the customer, I, 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 we have a serving mentality. That's part, that's our core value. We have a serving mentality. If we can serve the customer, everything, it's like the good book says, you serve others, you'll be blessed. And, and that's, I, I'm living proof of it. I, I, the good book says it and I, I live it every day. And I'm so blessed to be able to say that and, and live it every day. The, Moving this, moving the star forward. I, I getting people on bikes uh, and seeing seeing uh, uh, the more bike trails, more mountain bike trails, more bike lanes we ever have, more bike awareness we've ever had. And um, I, I just can't seem to not think that we're the industry is setting up us uh, setting up for a, a bike boom 2.0. We had a big bike boom in the 60s and 70s where Swin couldn't make enough bicycles. It was We've never sold as many bicycles in that time ever, ever again. And, and even though the United States is almost double than it was, <laughs> it, yeah. it, uh, people just don't, there's, they have too many other options. You know, they have uh, a CrossFit and a whole bunch of other things they can do nowadays. But, but the bicycle industry, I think, is poised for another bike boom. In, in, in the, and I don't know when that is, but I, I think I'll see it in the next, uh, you know, it could be three to six years, three to eight years between e-bikes and uh, the BMXers, youngsters coming through. Um, I, I just think we're poised for that uh, with with gas, electric cars, GM making bicycles. What? Why is a car industry want to mess with a piddly little bicycle? Well, something's up there. I mean, why would they be doing it? All the major cars, all the major motorcycle brands are all doing it. So there's got to be something there. That's just my opinion. And I, I feel pretty strong about it. I, I, I can't prove it. I just it's just my gut. I, I hope you're right. I And yeah, the mid 70s twins sold more bikes than any other year. Um, I think, uh, everybody got a, a Schwinn varsity and then also a Peter Frampton comes alive record. <laughs> at the same time. I don't know about that second, uh, bit of that second fact, but uh, oh, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, let, let, let's go back and talk about your staff a little bit. Uh, what, what, what have you learned from your staff over the years that that's, that's helped you improve your business? Uh, I love having young people uh, because young people bring a different perspective. And, um, and I tell, you know, early on say, hey, uh, you see something, question it. Why are you doing it this way? Well, I don't know. Why, why are we doing it this way? And so I love that. Um, I love young people. And we have seniors. I've got guys in their 70s who work here and I've got them all in between. And I've got, uh, let's see, we got 13, 14 women, I believe. Wish I had about 30 or 40 of them in here. Uh, but uh, I can't get enough women to work the business. Um, the my daughter, my number two daughter works here. My number one daughter worked here uh, for uh, for a long time until she decided to get married and have kids. And, and uh, number two daughters follow in her footsteps. And my son works here some. Uh, but uh, but I, I think the staff uh, bringing new energy, uh, new ideas um, and questioning. That's, that's what they can bring. They question, why, why do you do this way? Um, we may have a good reason, we may have a not, not so good reason. You know what? I don't know why we do it that way. <laughs> okay, let's revive. How would you think we should do it? Well, da 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 da. Okay, well let's let's try it. So um, 
And, and I think that's important. I, as uh, as we get older and as we mature in our industry, uh, our our stance on things or the, the things we believe, we become more rigid, almost to a fault. And so it's 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 good to have the youth come in. In fact, uh, if if you, if you read the good book, uh, it took Moses forty years to solve some of his problems. Um, but if having young people come in, looking at things a differently different way, we can we can change and change our course and and still continue to be relevant to new customers and and create new experiences for them. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, is there do you, do you have a do you have a special skill then that that you contribute some of your success to? Is it is it just being a listener? Is it uh, um, not being content with where you're at? What's what's a what's the hidden skill that that Woody has that's uh, that keeps him going? Uh, what keeps me going every day? I love coming to work every day. I don't mind. My wife says, "How do you work?" I'm 52 years old. He said, "How do you how do you stay energized?" Well, I love to get my workout in. I I, I do four or five days a week. I do something. I I run. I bike. I will work out at the uh, at the gym. I will do something four days a week, five days a week minimum. I got I got to have my workout. I'm a I'm again I'm a better boss. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad, and I I got to have. I got to have my workout I, at least an hour or two. And then and Saturdays, I try to work out and uh, hit a two or three hour ride, uh, leave one of our rides from the store. And um, so, but what energizes me is, is I look forward to what I'm doing, what I'm doing. I love I love uh, the, the people I work with. I love uh, um, the challenges every day. Uh, there's always something. Um, sometimes, it, yeah, it gets a little sometimes it gets a little tiring, but uh, but most time it's good. You know, I, I like it. Um, I'm sorry. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, what do you see as the, the biggest challenge in the next one to five years in the bike industry? Mm. Boy, that's a great one. Um, well, it, it shops have got to stay, they got to keep evolving. If shops don't stay stay uh, current um, with trends and changes and um, the, the click, the click and collect through specialized great program. I know, I know giant, you sell giant. They have a similar program. Uh, Trek has something quality bike products as the, as the retail to home thing. Um, if you're not doing those things, you, you've got to be, you, you need to be get on it next year. Uh, you know, I, and that you changes are, uh, are going to happen and you, and you get a going to happen uh, or with you or without you. So, and, and so long-term you just can't, you can't survive uh, if you don't change with these things. But, um, but uh, the, the, those are the things that I think um, that the industry has to look at the next one to five years is, is get, is creating a really good service departments because that's where the profit profitable part is. Um, Keeping aligning yourself with great uh, vendors that give you really good margins and uh, they try to not out outprice you or under underprice you, I should say, on their website versus your website. Um, those are some challenges in some of the vendors. Um, but, uh, but 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 we, we want to play in that market, that click and collect program, it, it, where the customer can buy it from their website and we get most of that money. That that that's a that's a pretty good deal. I mean, people like to. I had a customer that's been buying a box for 15 years here, and he bought it. He was at home. Uh, watching TV and just bought bought a uh, bought a bike online and, and I asked him I said hey what made you buy that I said I just just curious and now and not in a wise way or just a whatever I just said I, you know 
I appreciate you using our website. Uh, what made you uh, want to turn to that, not uh, come in and just buy it? He goes, well, I just want to make sure it was there tomorrow. He goes, I want to check that box. I'm done. <laughs> I was like, okay, good reason. Uh, thank you. I said, thank you for your business. And I said, appreciate it. Uh, and he doesn't know we make uh, five or six or seven points less than if you just walked in. Uh, but that's how people want to do business. And I, I don't make the rules. I need to, we need to embrace that. And we got to figure out how we can embrace that and how we can. And right now I'm working on language for the website. How can I, how can we write that on a language without, because if a customer knows that, if he knew that we took a margin hit, I, I would, I would think I could probably open with them enough to say, Hey, would you please buy it from us and just come into the store or buy it from our website and then we'll order it for you that way or whatever. And, uh, we just got to figure that language, but I think it's important in the next one to five years, people are just going more and more online. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for Shimano for helping the, the Amazon. Uh, we were, we looked like robbers there for a long time. We were, we were 50% less. And my, my, my buyers were buying product from, from Amazon two to three years ago because it was cheaper than it was from Shimano and we're not a small dealer and it's just really upsetting, but they, they've learned, they've cleaned that up. They've gotten it better. I see everything on there now within about retail or sometimes about eight or 10% lower. It's about the worst. I can deal with that, but I can't deal with 50%. And it, it, we look like we're robbers. And I mean, I, we're buying it from Amazon and at current inventory for cheaper than we can buy it for. And so somebody in, in there is making money. Amazon's making money. The person that listed it's making money. So there's somewhere, some type of gray market going on there. Um, and so a lot of the stuff has been cleaned up. So as long as we keep lining ourselves up with vendors that are doing the right things um, and, and, and cleaning up stuff like that and uh, sharing the profits with uh, on the website, uh, is a, the, the manufacturers still need us bike shops and we need us healthy. Uh, we need to, we need to um, make sure our search departments are good. Our vendors are aligned and uh, in your continuous improving your, your own websites and stores. That's, that's the three base things I can tell you. You, we, we talked about vendors a little bit earlier and you just brought it up again. Um, what, what role have, have vendors played in the success of Richardson Bike Mart or even um, what are some of the, the conversations you have with vendors? Are they, I, I would imagine that the size that you are, you have a little bit, a little bit of uh, a little bit of pull to, to get some things done. Um, not, not asking you to give away any, any trade secrets or anything, but, um, what are those conversations like? I mean, are, um, are, are they, do you feel vendors are on your side or you feel they're pushing the other way? Well, sometimes I second, I, I start thinking about it going, wow, it looks, it looks like they're, they're trying to become a, a retailer wholesaler. And some of these things, uh, you start scratching your head. Well, I, I can tell you right now, everybody that knows me, any vendor knows me, anybody outside the industry, inside the industry. I'm not a bully. I don't ask for much. I don't ever ask. When the vendors come in here and, and we go to lunch, I take them to lunch. They don't buy me lunch ever. They don't buy my team lunch ever. That's one of my pet peeves. I just, we don't, I don't want, I'm not going to do. We, 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 we don't, we want, we want to be a good partner. And when I do ask for a favor, if there's a, not a favor, but an ask, that's a legitimate ask not asking too much and not taking advantage of the, the rep or the situation, uh, then I, 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 I usually get a, a really good favorable response. And so, so that's, that's my best advice would be um, 
Again, you're coming back to open communication with with your vendors, really. Yeah, just just being open with them and say, this is my challenge. Hey, you're shrinking my margins on on this. Let's just take that as an example. You're shrinking my margins because margins are shrinking, uh, like it or not. We're losing a half a point, a point, and and it's it's hurting um, the industry a little bit and and the big vendors. Um, And um, and so, you know. Can, how can we get margins back up? What can we do? You know, what, is there something? Is there something I? If we grow our business a certain amount, is a certain way? You know, what are your needs? And 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 it's 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 um uh, it's important to hear their communicate with them and say how, what are your needs and what are our needs? And we can be selfish. It's a one way one way deal. You say we're the customer all the time, but at the end of the day, they're a vendor and we rely on them. They market their product and they get people to come in our stores. They advertise on their website that we're 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 stocking dealers. And so those are all it's a partnership needed on both sides. And I respect, I respect that a lot. And, uh, and, and we don't, I don't ask, we don't, we don't, I don't, my, my buyers and stuff know that we, that's a taboo. Don't ever, we don't, we don't bully. We don't, we, we just, I just want my fair share. And that's what I, when I went to Shimano, I said, you know what, all I want is my fair. I, I, I don't, I, I don't ask to get any better pricing than anybody else, but somebody's doing something when you can, when I can buy stuff for 20% less than my price on Amazon and they're making money on it on a current item. I'm mad. I mean, uh, you got me. Now you got my attention real hard. I mean, it, yeah. and, and and the worst thing about it, if people think we're we're, we're we're thieves, they go, man, they're so high up there. Well, because they've shopped one or two things or five things. You know, the most popular Shimano chains or cassettes or whatever. And all of a sudden, now we look like thieves. Yeah, so, uh, lose, so, we we lose a lot of authority when we mark something at MSRP or map pricing, and our clients can. You know that that pricing so transparent they can just go on whatever website and get it for half price. We we lose a lot of authority, and, we and do. when when we say you know in the, in the months to come when we say hey you need this type of bike for that type of riding, you know they're not going to believe us. Um, but yeah, it, it's good that some of that's you know the internet is I feel is still new uh, for retail for for the bike industry and yes. it's great seeing us navigate through that and I, I certainly believe in the win win. Uh, vendors have to win. I mean, they have to be sustainable. Retailers have to win. They have to be sustainable. So good. Uh, with with an organization as big as yours, um, do do we do we need more bike stores? Do the smaller stores that are uh, just starting out, maybe in a, a thousand square foot retail spot, or uh, maybe they're going big <laughs> right away? What what advice can you give them? Uh, you know, maybe something you've learned or um, something that you think they might need to hear about growing their own business. Well, uh, yeah, they need to get their head examined if they're trying to get in the bike business. <laughs> right now, Let's say they're already in the business. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I, I take that money and maybe invest it to something else. But uh, since, uh, but if you really, really, really want to, and you like to make just a couple of points uh, a year, then yeah, you're in the right business. Uh, and you have to love what you do, obviously. And so I, I, that's where it all comes. Well, I would say, you know, you have to be uh, uh, inventory turns are huge. You know, if we're either small or big or just starting off, it, it you can't over inventory yourself and you can't pay your payables and then you get behind and then it's just a never ending um, spot, it, especially if you have a recall on an item and you got too many of this or that. And, um, that that's those those things like that can really hurt you. Um you know, be involved in the community, be, get connected to the community, your schools, your churches. I, I believe in that. I believe in uh, we donate to every single 
person or company or organization, nonprofit, for profit, I don't care. Everybody gets a yes that walks in here or that emails us or that calls us or that sends us a letter. And um, and so every GM at every store has uh, has that wide open budget. You think, wow, how can you do that? Well, what we do, we give away services a lot of times and most of those things. Uh, every church, every school has got we're trying to raise money for a playground. We're trying to uh, we're doing a, a company team building thing for uh, for some event. Can you give us something for our auction? Yeah. And so what we give away is bicycle tune ups and uh, with labor. And we give a ninety dollar tune up away. We got I got about 30 bucks in my thought is what we have in that true cost, if you may, in a tune up. So but what it does it gets a customer in the store. And most everybody has a bike in the garage. We've all been to parties and they're like, I got a bike. I need to bring to you, Chad. Uh, I need to get that looked at. It's got dust on it this thick. I hadn't ridden it. Flat tires are flat. We want to get those customers in the store. We know we can, if we can get them in the store, get them, get them excited to, to ride again. Uh, and we can do that if we have them in the store. Um, and, and so doing those coupons. And if I give them, a, if I give them a helmet or if I give them a pump or give them a, I'll never see them again. Those items go away. So I found that giving away our services is, is little liability and a whole bunch of wind to get them back in the store. Um, and and uh, so I like to give away a tune-up one or a, or and or I should say, I give sometimes both away. It depends how big the event is. I'll give a, a, a kind of a date, a date night or a date weekend uh, rental bike uh, voucher. So it's it's for two bikes for two people for two days. And uh, so they can, uh, so his and her, maybe a dad and a daughter or a dad and a son or a, a wife and a husband uh, whatever they can go rent some bikes and whether they're mountain biker, whether they're roadie, whether they're, uh, we rent tandems, um, they, they can go out and rent the bikes. It's, it's two, two bikes for two days for, for, for free. And, uh, and so those are good values. Again, get people in the store, get them smiling. You know, we've people on bikes, they smile, they go, man, this is fun. I, I think I want to buy a bike. And so those are things that, you know, those rental bikes have already been paid for. We've, you know, uh, effectively they've been taken out of inventory, you know, and you don't have no cost into them. So you can give that stuff away. And you get, again, opportunity to try to sell them something. So those are win-win things. So be connected in the community um, and, and stuff like that. And say yes. Don't, don't be that person that says no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's all my questions I I have. Woody, is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, um, yes, my networks or mentors. Uh, mentors. Uh, Jim Hoyt is my mentor. He's my dad. He's my hero. Jim Hoyt, um, uh, just a little bit of background. He was born and raised in Indiana on a farm. He went to Vietnam War at 18 years old. He served for uh, 20, uh, I think it was 22 or 23 months in the Vietnam War. He was 101st Airborne, and so he, he was infantry. He was in the front lines fighting the war every day. Uh, what a man. What a man. He's my hero. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Uh, Purple Heart, two silver stars, runner-up for the Medal of Honor. He come back alive. He fought on Hamburger Hill. If you know anything about Vietnam, wow, what a, that's a big part of history. He he's one of that Hamburger Hill got the name from, you know, a bunch of people died up there, and it looked like hamburger meat the way people were shot up and everything. It was terrible, terrible times. He was one of the very for, fortunate fortunate to come down uh, from that uh, that mountain fight, and uh, he came back. Started uh, started at Swin Bicycle. 1970, worked 10 years at Swin, bought Bike Mart 90, and he's been my mentor ever since. And I always admired him from afar. I worked for a competitor down the street, uh, and uh, I always saw him at the Swin, Swin meetings and stuff like, oh, there's Jim Hoyt. Oh, he was like the rock star. He was like, everybody knew him. He was like, 
and I, I didn't think he was approachable and all that. And and finally, I come over and ask for him for a job. And he said, yep, he hired me on the spot. It was a 30-second interview. I didn't know what I was getting paid. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know nothing. I didn't know when we got paid. He just said, he said, what can you do? I said, I, sir, I was the GM at, of the bike shop. I can do anything. I can, I, I, I did it all. You, you basically fix bikes until a customer walks in, you take your apron off and you go up and wipe your hands and you go help a customer sell a bike. Then you go back and you fix the bike and you go order that part you need from quality and then you go back and fix the bike. You did it all. <laughs> so, yeah. and, uh, and that's what you do as a small business. You had three or four or five people in the store, you know, employees. And so he put me in service and then put me in sales and, um, and, uh, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity I've had to, to work with him and, and, uh, mentor me through the, all this. And, and I'd say a big shout out to John Burke because he's, he's, um, I've been to those meetings for, with him, uh, for, uh, six CI events, probably in six years. And, uh, those are really, really helped our business and helped me personally as a leader. Um, and, um, to, to help focus and on the things that are important. Um, and then, um, and then the MBDA, the P2 group really helped me, you know, get to know you guys and see your other stores and hear your challenges and makes me feel like I wasn't alone. And, uh, there's others out there, you know, I'm in business by myself, uh, by myself, for myself, but not by myself. I, I got other people around me that can help me and, and just asking and send those emails out to ask them questions and all that. It was just great stuff that, that uh, that the P2 group offers. But, um, Anyway, it's been my honor to be a part of this group, and uh, I hope uh, everybody out there can uh, learn something from this. And if, if you ever want to email me, I'm just simply woody at bikemart.com. Um, if you want to email me, I'd love to hear from you. And what else? Yeah, thank you for that, Woody. I, I don't think <laughs> we quite unlocked all the secrets of, of opening up, uh, you know, the largest store in, in whatever part of the country we're in. But um, yeah, if you have questions, uh, Woody has his email address. You can certainly email me if you have questions. Uh, it's chad at snsbikes.com. Uh, and then there's, you can also reach out to the NBDA through their website at nbda.com. And I guess uh, that concludes everything. I think we're done. <laughs> Woody, thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. <laughs>